I'm ready whenever you are. Yeah, we're, we're going. Welcome into the Train with the Best podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. Chris Gores. And today we have a very special guest who we just got off a Zoom call with. Uh, and it was a really, frankly, fascinating conversation. Ann Malin, the CEO of Solid Core. And Chris, I just want to kind of talk on the front end of this about some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, and then, you know, we can skip. Uh, we'll, we'll, next week, we'll have to just do a, a double last dance recap uh, as we've been doing that every <laughs> week. But I got a meeting in 15 minutes. So it is what it is. Um, I So I came into this meeting or to, into this interview um, as listeners of this podcast probably know, skeptical. Um, because when Solid Core made their decision to lay off 98% of their workforce two days after they closed, I questioned it because I had questions being fired at me from people who worked there, um, who were just taken aback and surprised. And, um, I, having read a little bit about, Anne, it didn't really make a lot of sense and knowing how community based they were, it didn't make a lot of sense. And so when they reached out uh, and said, hey, uh, we'd love to, I guess Ann's doing a lot more media right now, they, we'd love to have her come on your podcast. I was like, yeah, I would love to ask the questions. And I think that's, you know, the ability to be, to, to question things, but also to be open to the answers. Because a lot of times people ask questions and, and they're not, uh, they're not really looking for an answer. They just want to make their point. I was really genuinely looking for answers and, and I was so pleasantly uh, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised, but I, I was so happy to hear her explain these questions uh, that I've had lingering for a month and a half now um, of the decisions that she made. And and frankly, I thought she had really good, well thought out answers as well as as well as you can have, considering the uncertainty of everything that we were going through, especially back then, where things still feel uncertain six weeks later now. Yeah, and then depending on how you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on Spotify or, or whatever, or if you're going to see some of the videos, I can tell you that from our perspective, listening to her and watching her through the video and seeing her face, that these were genuine answers. These weren't prepared statements that are, are read from like a, a canned speech or whatever. These these were genuine answers. So she was she was a hundred percent authentic and transparent with us, as she said she was going to be. And um, yeah, I really appreciate her taking the time out to, to go out and, and put herself out there. Cause like she alludes to in the interview, people can be mean out there and people mm -hmm. can say shit that, you know, is either out of pocket because they don't know what they're talking about or it's completely reactionary and they don't know everything that happened. So for her to come on the, the, the podcast is, is kudos to her and for her to be genuine and authentic with us again, definitely won me over. And as you said, won you over as well. Yeah. And I mean, it, the stuff she says just flat out makes sense. Um, and I, I don't know that like if she had it to do over again, would she make a hundred percent of the same decisions? I don't know that anybody who was making decisions at that time would make a hundred percent, but I actually think she probably did really well with it. And, um, you know, it, it, there's a huge update as well that I haven't seen, you know, I was doing solid core research this entire week, trying to get some more information and background and everything. And, you know, the, I think we're actually going to probably break some news in this, this podcast, frankly. Um, so that's, that's cool for us, but it's way better for the the news that you'll hear in the interview of, of what they've been able yeah. to do recently uh, in, in regards to employment with a lot of their people. So, um, yeah. I, 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 you know, the answers, like you said, they're genuine. Um, they do sound 
like to me they did sound like they're out of a speech and that's also because i know she does give speeches and things and she's probably been giving these answers a lot and or not necessarily giving the answers a lot in interviews but talking about these things but it's because they're thought out so it's not that it's it's not genuine it is it's just so well thought out that it could be in a speech it's actually a compliment that that she has spent so much time thinking about these things uh not only the substance and you you can tell instantly she is a substance person and I appreciate that. But yeah. I think she has clearly also spent time thinking about the logistics and how they affect people and, and how to message that to, to be most effective um, because it definitely, you know, breaks through a lot of the, it doesn't sound, like you said, it doesn't sound canned. It's not political. It's not PC. It, it's just, it's very genuine and thought out and, and expansive in a lot of the things she's talk, talked about. And it's very, very clear. She spent a lot of time thinking about these things and she has the, uh, the intelligence to aptly spend that amount of time on it and not be spinning her wheels to come up with some really, really smart things. Yeah. And as she, as she'll talk about what you guys will hear and as you just alluded to, right. We're all just doing the best we can with what we got at the moment, right? Like we might learn something tomorrow that changes everything. And we might learn something a week from now that changes everything. And and I can I can think of at least two or three instances over the last four or five weeks or so where I've said, all right, we've, we've got to change everything from, hey, maybe this isn't that serious to, oh my God, this is really serious to, we'll never be able to open again to, all right, we'll be able to open it. So there's, there's just so much out there and it changes so quickly. And, and I think, um, you know, to to listen to her speak, you can tell like she's she's doing the best that she can with what she's got at the moment, and she's going to continue to do that. And that and that's the same for everybody. We're all going to make some mistakes. We're all going to do some things that are right, some things that are wrong, some things that are questionable that we don't know what the right answer is. Like, do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Mm-hmm. Do we wear gloves? Mm-hmm. Do we not wear gloves? You know, what what is it that we do? And I, I think she does a really good job of explaining herself. And like you said. It's it's not necessarily that it, it hasn't been thought out of, but it doesn't sound like it's a rehearsed piece of bullshit. Like this is something right. that yes, she's that's, thought of. That's a good thing, right? That's, a good that's a, such a great way to put it. Yeah, it could be from a speech, but it's not bullshit. Just because you say something, if you say the truth over and over again, it doesn't become a lie. Just like right. if you say a lie over and over again, it doesn't become the truth. That's right. So. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on the front end or we just let, let the people hear the conversation? I I should change. I should become a journalist, Craig. I think I'm good at this shit. (laughs) I'm learning from you. I'm learning from you. Journalism with the best. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I I, got to work on that title. Yeah. Like I'm learning how to ask. No, uh, you asked, uh, you beat me to the, the, the workforce question. I had it all scripted out and everything. And I was like, Oh damn. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. You did a great job asking it. Um, it, it put it in the proper context, and you know that's the hard thing here. I will, I will thirty second sidebar on journalism. Um, yeah. but like the hard part about asking questions for an audience that is not just yourself is you have to provide the context. It's actually like you know sometimes the best way to ask a question is is to be extremely short and concise. Um, but there's also times where you have to explain why you're asking the question so that the audience understands because the audience may not have all the same background as you do as the question asker. So um, I thought you did a, a great job asking what was a really tough question. And yeah, you're decent at this. I, after 130 podcasts, I'd hope you don't suck. <laughs> That's right. I don't suck at it. Let's just put it out. Yeah. Suck. We know suck today. <laughs> All right. uh, With that, here's our conversation with Ann Malum, the CEO of SolidCore.
The Train With The Best podcast is powered by Super Coffee. Super Coffee has a lot of things that you need. One, it's got protein. That's just being a healthy human. You got to get your protein intake. You got to be able to let your body recover. Two, it's got MCT oils. So it's got healthy fats. They help your brain function. And then, okay, maybe this one's not a need, but like for a lot of people, it's kind of a need. It's got caffeine. And it comes in a good form, too, because it comes from organic coffee, not crap. Simple enough, right? Protein, MCT oils, organic coffee. Mix that all together, bang. It's like a super coffee. Oh, hey, look, it's super coffee. And four delicious flavors are original, hazelnut, vanilla, and mocha. You can also get super espresso, same concept, just sub coffee for high-quality espresso. Also super creamer, been using it every single day in my smoothies. It is such a great company. And another thing that I don't think we stress enough about Key2 Life Incorporated, who makes all of these super products, is they are just a, a genuinely good time. Like, follow their Instagram, follow their Twitter. Just being a part of it makes my life better because they are a positive energy company. They try to pack that in every bottle. So go to drinksupercoffee.com and get a little bit of this positive energy in a bottle for yourself. Use the code TWTB as in train with the best, TWTB, for 25% off your first order. Drinksupercoffee.com, TWTB. It's all from Key2 Life Incorporated who reminds you that if you can change your energy, you can change the world. The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by Momentus. Momentus is a performance company. Momentus is a quality company. Momentus is a company that just keeps pushing what is possible. Not only do they have their signature line of proteins, the best proteins on the market, straight up, whether it's the essential blends, the strength recovery, the endurance recovery, whey or plant-based, they have options for everyone. But they've also got Momentus Sleep, which is incredible. I was actually looking at my Whoop performance report last night. The difference is evident when I take momentous sleep. When I forget, my sleep quality isn't as good. I don't recover as much. Obviously, the inverse, the positive is true. When I do take it, uh, good things happen. Uh, they also just launched Performance Creatine. So th- they're expanding and they're doing good in the community with Support Your Sweat, helping connect people who need guidance in fitness during this time with fitness professionals at a discount. What more do you want from a company? What more do you want from a partner? We don't want anything more other than for you to go to livemomentous.com, use the code TRAINWITHTHEBEST for $20 off your first order. Train with the best, livemomentous.com, because if you're going to train with the best, you better recover with the best, and that's why we choose Momentous. Our guest today on the Train With The Best podcast is the CEO of SolidCore. It is Ann Malum, who joins us, I'm guessing, from her home in Washington, D.C. on Zoom? Close. Uh, I have a place down in rural Maryland, so there's less okay. people in here. <laughs> yes, that's probably a good place to be. Um, so uh, the very first question I would like to ask you very simply is, how are you doing? I feel like that is the necessary question during all of this. It's obviously been a, a stressful couple of weeks for everybody. Yeah, you know, humans are adaptable and resilient. So I feel like as soon as you can accept that this is the way of life right now, it's it's a lot easier to adjust. So that's what we've been doing. 
Yeah, for sure. And I actually saw that you guys are on the verge of uh, opening some new, or not opening new studios, but reopening some studios uh, in some other parts of the country. So I'm curious the process of of what went into that there. It's in the Dakotas from what I saw. So obviously some less populated areas than your your population centers of DC, New York, et cetera, where you have plenty of studios. So um, what what is the information like coming from everybody there and, and what kind of precautions are you guys taking? Yeah, so I'm so I'm from North Dakota, which is how those studios came about to begin with. So lots of family back there still, and have been of course staying in contact with them through this whole process, and not even for business purposes, for personal purposes. So yeah, things. I mean, people have been behaving pretty pretty well back there. But as you said, there is less population in a lot of these hubs, New York, Chicago. They're more international cities where there was a lot more travel happening before. Um, before COVID, and, and obviously that was a contribution to a lot of the hotspots. So things have been pretty pretty tame there, and they've just been acting as a precautionary and precautionary measures and staying home and doing all that stuff. So I think um, those actions really serve them well. There's not a ton of cases uh, back in North Dakota. Fargo is one of the, all relatively speaking, uh, bigger hotspots in North Dakota. We do have two studios there, but yeah, I mean, listen, we're, it's been a ton of work, right? Like all these businesses uh, in a matter of weeks have to figure out how to operate differently. Um, gyms, restaurants, everything with your operational model, with your business model, with your finances, you're dealing with new rent negotiations. Um, you're dealing with how to actually coach the class differently. Are you going to have to have a different, you know, makeup in the studio, cleanliness, all those kinds of things. So we've been working a lot with industry leaders, sharing information. Um, it's been really cool to see a lot of people come together and feel like we want to have some consistency in the fitness industry and how that could actually benefit all of us instead of staying separate and us all doing different things, which can be confusing. We are all aware that a lot of our clients bounce from whether it's boutique fitness to boutique fitness or also have a gym membership. So inconsistency in some of those policies can be bad for, for all of us. Um, so lots of those conversations going on. I have another panel today uh, with some CEOs of boutique uh, fitness talking about the same same thing, different different categories. So yeah, we're, we're, we're actually, I don't know if you guys ever taken a solid core class, but they're already small group fitness to begin with and you're on one machine, it's like a reformer. So we are actually, every other machine will be flipped um, to face the opposite direction and we'll only be doing exercises where people face out, which is at least half of the moves that we do, which is good. So now we have seven feet between all of the, um, all the participants without actually losing a machine in the space. Now, listen, you guys are very well aware that like it's all dependent on state to state regulations. Right. So in Texas, for example, we can open at 25% of our max occupancy. So we have to do a whole different you know, thing down there to satisfy those requirements. And it's state by state uh, that we have to look at these things and follow the guidelines. Right, I think you, you have it you have a particular challenge with so many different studios across the country and so many different regulations that you have to follow. For instance, here in Virginia, we're, we're following Governor Northam's order, which was pushed back to May 14 for us to be able to open with obviously some restrictions of, of, of 10 or, or less, which um, for, for our side of the business at, at our facility is very doable. We, we do one-on-ones and we do small groups, so it doesn't really necessarily hurt our side of the business, but um, the big box has really been affected where 
you know, they, they rely on thousands of people coming in to the gym every single mm-hmm. day. What, what have you heard from uh, places like Ursha or, or some of the other CEOs that you've talked to? Because I, I feel like the boutique fitness is where it's going to be at moving forward with, yep. with, with all of these restrictions. And a lot of these big places like a Gold or 24-hour fitness, you know, unfortunately, going through what you guys went through, we're able, you were able to adapt. But for their business model, they're not able to adapt to something like this with these restrictions. And they had the overhead that's just going to absolutely murder them. Um, what have you been hearing on, on those ends, like with what's happening to the big box? Yeah, so we've, we just had a panel yesterday with a lot of folks and some of those in, folks down there are, are in Georgia. And so we've been talking about how reopening has been going down there and the big box gyms that have been reopening in Georgia seemingly are having positive responses, new members coming in. Now, listen, people have been at home and they're anxious to get out. So it's like, this is one place that's open where I can go get a different fitness experience. But yeah, I mean, Chris, to your point, like the economics of any big box gym is really challenging. You can keep distance in there, but if you now have to limit, you know, think of a planet fitness or anything else where you are, as you said, relying on thousands of people to be coming in there and working out and policing all of that, uh, it does change things. But there are challenges for boutique fitness as well. The, the berries, the rumbles, uh, we're very close with berries. Berries rumble soul cycle, where they may have 5,000 square feet, but they have 60 people you know, jammed into a location where you are shoulder to shoulder. You know with those individuals and even you know even though those are smaller than big box gyms if they have to go from 60 people to 25 people those are tough economics so i mean listen the majority of my time right now in a lot of boutique fitness and a lot of other uh big gyms too is negotiating with landlords we are trying to move to percentage rent for at least the next 12 months um because we can't we can't have the same expenses while also having very different revenue coming in. It's just not going to work. Landlords don't like hearing that, right? They want to hang on to what was because the cap or the commercial real estate gig was was doing pretty good. But like the sooner they can accept that reality and try to work with us to be around for a long time, um, that's in their best interest as well. So it's really the rent that's what it's going to come down to. And then of course, paying paying your people. You can't pay your people the same amount to coach 60 people now to, to 25 when the revenue per class is so much lower. Right. So there's, there's a lot of navigating and I'm not sure what you guys have been doing, but we've just been taking this super transparent approach, saying what we don't know, saying what we do know. Right. Uh, and that's been, I think, providing a lot of comfort for folks. We try not to have any surprises for our teams internally or externally. And uh, that's uh, what we're gonna continue to do. So you, you touched on this a little bit about kind of like just the changes in the industry, even for the small boutiques, going from 60 people a class to 25 people a class definitely changes the economics of your business model. And you went through some pretty tough decisions early on in this whole COVID quarantine. Walk us through kind of that, that decision and kind of what went through your mind, all of the factors, and, and then ultimately the reason why you came to the decision that you came to. Yeah, we, um, it happened so fast for everybody, right? I, I was in a bad accident last summer where I broke my, had a compound femur fracture in the water. And I keep describing COVID as like very similar to that, where it like happened like that. It was non-consensual. You got no warning. You got no say. And like things are different forever. And that's sort of what happened where it's like one day, like we were operating and the next day, it's like we have to shut down all of our locations tomorrow. 
and there's no idea when we're going to be able to reopen again. So when you're a business, right, like we've just like most businesses have, you can survive 20% dips in, in, in revenue. Like you, you build most companies, if you're smart, you plan for those types of things and you have enough in the bank. But when you go from producing and having the best month that you're on track to have to zero revenue overnight, listen, if you don't make the tough calls early, you're just uh, delaying the inevitable and actually hurting your business uh, and the people that work for you and everything else. So I think you're probably alluding to the fact that we laid off 98% of our people uh, two days after we closed, right? And for people who don't understand business, it's like, how can this company not have enough money to pay their people for two, three more months? And the truth to that is we could have done that. We could have just taken our bank account down to zero and paid everybody for the next few months, but then we don't have a company anymore and we can't reopen our doors. And it is my commitment to the people who work here, to our clients, to our partners to be around and honor those commitments. And without making those tough calls, that would have been it made it much more difficult for us to do so. So same thing, handle it with transparency, honesty, empathy, uh, authenticity. And we didn't get a lot of pushback from our community internally or externally when we made that call. And obviously you have a, a much better sense of, of what's going on in your world than, than we do. But I, I did talk to some people who, who did work for you and they were pretty surprised. It obviously happened so fast. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm just curious I, more for clarity than everything. Cause it sounds like, Hey, we're trying to have a business on the back end of this where we can do mm -hmm. the best for our people. Why lay off everybody as opposed to furlough? Do you, how many people do you anticipate bringing back? What, what more clarity can you provide? Because Sure. The, the headline, the headline's not great to be, to be honest of 98% laid off immediately when a lot of other people have furloughed or, or, or tried to extend that out a little bit. Well, we did get PPP funding. And so actually everybody was rehired. They've been rehired okay. now for two weeks and 99% of the offers that we made people to come back came back, uh, which is that's incredible. Great. Yeah. So yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And, legitimately. And you know that money, which has its own, and I'll, I'll answer your question uh, for sure, Craig, but that money itself has problems, right? Like mm -hmm. we took that money and that money is for employees. There are a lot of companies that took that money that chose not to rehire their employees because they're saying, listen, we're closed. What am I gonna have my employees to do? And trust me, we had that conversation too of like, what's everybody gonna do for the next eight weeks when we don't know when we're opening and does this make sense? And you know, it came down to ethics and principles of this money was provided for the government to get in the hands of people. They don't really care if your people have something to do or not, they just want them employed and to get a paycheck. So we were like, that's what we're doing with this money. And more than 75% of those funds um, went to rehire our people at their old salaries, um, obviously, obviously up to 100K, because there are rules on that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been done and we worked really hard to, to make that happen, but like the making the decision early, um, when it was two days after we closed, listen, I said that to folks too, where I'm like, I know it probably feels like I'm not taking care of you, but, but I am. And any smart business person would tell you that when you have no idea when you're going to be able to generate revenue again, you have to cut your expenses. We stopped paying rent. We, I stopped paying myself. I haven't paid myself since, you know, March 16th. 
anybody who makes over 100K is working massively reduced for, um, for the company. So everybody's participating in it. And what we were not gonna do is put this company in a position that we were not gonna reopen again. I want you to have a job in the future and that's gonna require everybody making some tough sacrifices for the next couple months. And you guys have seen the unemployment, unfortunately, right? You're talking about 30 million people and our folks were first in line for a lot of that. And there are people, you see the news, been waiting seven, eight weeks uh, for their unemployment. So that was frankly another decision we were making when we knew it was inevitable that folks are gonna have to be laid off. And the furlough question, which is a great question, Craig, was there was a lot of confusion around that. If people were furloughed, could they get an employment? Like, did we have any liability or risk to the company? It wasn't that we weren't trying to take care of our people and we paid their healthcare through the end of April um, and then we rehired them all. So nobody really left without healthcare who had a job here. But it was because of all the unknowns, legally speaking, of do we furlough or, or lay off? And that's why we made the decision we made and also chose to continue the healthcare. How yeah. hard was that to trust the systems that like, okay, if we, because there's a lot of companies that laid people off or furloughed and said, hey, we're doing this because and my parents bluntly had to do some of this too um, with their small business, non-fitness related of you know, we can offer you X amount of hours, but you're going to be actually make more on unemployment with the $600, et cetera, et cetera. So as, as the government at that point, very early on is dragging its feet and and being very slow with a lot of the recovery type of stuff, how hard was that to trust that? I think I'm pretty sure that something's going to happen to take care of my people. And then hopefully I'll be able to bring them back as soon as possible, which as you just explained, you have. Yeah. Well, while we laid off everybody, the second, the second sort of the second day, we paid them through the end of the month. We just mm-hmm. wanted them to get in line. So it's not like they only got paid for those right. days. So they got paid through the end of the month and anybody. So also people who worked here that made underneath a certain amount got a personal $350 check from myself just to say, listen, this is going to help with groceries or something else, use it. Some people said, I don't need it, give it to someone else, which was awesome awesome to see. But yeah, and like that's why we actually avoided the whole $600 thing because while the government said that, there are tons of people who still haven't gotten that money and we didn't want to add, you know, any sort of frustration to folks of like, well, now Solid Core promised I was going to get $600 from the government when we're like, we're not in control of that. That was, of course, the the plan. And we had people stuck in unemployment, Craig, who moved from Florida to D.C. in those last six months. And then Florida saying, you don't live here anymore. And D.C. saying, you haven't paid in this system long enough. So like when we had one-off situations like that, we really worked hard to try to help those people, give them, you know, more finances, hire them back sooner than other folks. Um, so yeah, and I think it does speak volumes to the fact that almost 100% of the people that we re-offered a job to here took the job and came back because of the transparency and trust that they they have for us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so let, let's talk, I mean, we, we've kind of gone in depth into the decision. I, I truly appreciate your transparency and the clarity and all that because like you said, that is a tough decision and, and it is a, a decision that I actually understand a little bit because you know, being in the business for, for a while and understanding what you have to do to take care of the business, like taking care of the business is taking care of your employees because you, you do have to make tough decisions in the short term for, for long-term thinking, right? So, and I'm glad that it did work out for you. And it's hard to go back because you had made that decision so quickly. It's hard to go back to see what the government was up to during that day because 
for a while they were dragging their feet and we didn't know what they were going to yeah, do. The answer, Chris, was nothing. They were doing nothing. At that time, yeah, we, we didn't know. And, and even the way that the PPP was initially yeah. put out there, it was really hard to get. And it was, it was almost impossible if you didn't sign up at the second that it was available and you didn't sign up with the bank that you were, were working with. Now it's become a little bit more uh, available. Um, so just wanted to kind of transition back into what the future of this industry is going to look like because so many trainers, myself included, and I'm sure you were having these things go through your head and like, what does the fitness industry look like? There are going to be people who are dying to get back into gyms, who are dying to get back into working out. They're asking to borrow equipment and things like that since we can't, we can't even open. And there's going to be a, a desire for people to work out in gyms again. So what does the fitness industry what does the fitness industry look like in your eyes moving forward, Anne? Mm -hmm. Yeah, listen, great question. And it, all signs are pointing to positivity. When we're actually looking at China, how things are coming back there, there's some orange theories and, and intel that we have from you know bankers and consultants in the area that things are bouncing back really, really well. People are craving to get back into some kind of routine. Fitness is important to them. And I think it's two things, right? Like it does come down to how much your clients trust the company and how much they trusted you before all of this, that your environment is safe, that you're doing what you can to keep things safe. And then I think they're going to look at the environment, how many people are in class. And Solid Core, again, this is just luck, right? Our operating model has always been small group classes, just like yours, Chris, of like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, training where people maybe feel more safe with that. So, you know, us having... 15, maybe 20 people in class on their own piece of equipment and some of the additional policies, operational policies that we're rolling out. And we, frankly, our studios are opening this weekend in North Dakota and all the classes are booked. We announced last night, schedule went up, they're totally full, you can't get into class. So like it's showing you people trust us, they wanna come back and they're willing to take the, the small amount of risk that they think that they're taking. Um, and from what we've been able to see, people who exercise feel that like they are healthy, their immune systems are healthy, right? I need to exercise. This is my way of taking care of myself. Right. And like the self-protection when people come into gyms, just like now when you go to grocery stores, you can only, you can only control yourself. So you're wearing masks, you're wearing gloves, you're keeping your distance, you're not. And I think so much of that will rely on people's own uh, behaviors, hygiene, hand washing, things that they're going to have to continue to do. We're going to do everything we can. But if I took and wiped down this counter and went over there and two people came in who just want their hands, who put them here, you know, I think we have to remember how this thing started, which was with one person. And so it's really going to take self-protection on top of um, businesses and gyms, you know, doing their part to keep their, to keep their spaces clean. But this is, this is a, a war, so to speak, that everybody needs to participate in. And if you're relying on someone else to take care of you, I think that that's a mistake. Yeah. I, one of the things that um, I saw in the, the extra precautions that you're taking in the Dakotas is that you're going to have your instructors take or wear mask and gloves. And I know I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, a Orange Theory Fitness Studio coordinator, and she was saying, you know, I don't know how I feel about that because if I feel like I have to wear a mask and gloves, how do I tell someone that it's safe to come in? And I also know how curated every detail of Solid Core is in mm -hmm. terms of the presentation. So how hard was that decision and why ultimately do you land on, yep, you know what, this is, this is the best way to go about it. We feel better and that everyone's going to feel better and feel safer if we do this. 
Yeah, listen, just like this situation and most situations, there's opinions all across the board. Yeah. And it's hard to know what is right or wrong. We are in control of our people who work for us. And so we're like, listen, we don't think this can hurt. And frankly, even the mask piece. So I went to the studio and, and tried coaching. And I'm like, when you have their mask over your whole face, it's really hard to breathe and speak when you're talking, if you've taken solid for a million mm. miles a minute the entire time. So the mask actually will be right below people's nose so they so they can breathe, but they're not spitting when they're speaking and uh, you know have any of their germs go out that way. And the gloves piece is we're trying it. You know, Craig, this thing yeah. is fluid. If we're gonna try it, I'm like, you know what, this isn't really working. We've had nurses chime in and say gloves are really dirty. So it's like, if we didn't have gloves, people would be like, why aren't you wearing gloves? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's really hard and challenging, which is why I say the self-protection piece. If clients want to come in and, and wear masks, we're all for that. But if we require them to, and all of a sudden someone, you know, faints because they can't breathe, well, then you've got all of those liability issues. Right. So it's, we're not saying we're perfect. We're not yeah. saying we have everything figured out. It's going to be fluid. We're going to probably add things, change things. Um, but we got to start somewhere. Yeah, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. It is complicated, and like you said, it's, it's everybody's going to have an opinion. There's no, if you wear a mask, there's some people who are going to like it, some people who won't. If you don't wear a mask, same thing, right? You're never going to be able to make everybody happy. And some people are, are beating down the doors to come into the gym on, on May 18th when we can open, and some people are still waiting for, you know, the the stay at home order to to be lifted completely. So it's it's all over the board, but you you also alluded to earlier and kind of the coming together of, of everybody, which is which is what I think has been really cool to see in, in the midst of this war that you say, we're all fighting the same war. And so we all kind of have to come together and have industry standards that we're all going to practice. Can you talk about a little bit more about that? Like who, who you've been talking to about, hey, this is this is what we need to do as an industry, not just as, solid core or as mm -hmm. onyx or berries bootcamp but as an industry these are the practices that we need to adopt and, yeah. and and have some solidarity in yeah it's it's honestly been i don't want to say everybody but like core power orange theory crunch fitness big box teams i never heard of down in georgia uh berries uh, we haven't had that much interaction with soul uh like we're we're Friendly with Soul, but like they haven't really been participating in a lot of this for some reason. You know, we did a panel yesterday, me and my COO, and we're doing another one today. Uh, we're leading the ones on, on negotiations with your landlords and vendors because we're making a lot of great headway there. And we want to share some of those tips with folks so that, you know, they also can hopefully survive this stuff. So it's, it's really been a, across the board in a lot of places. And anybody who's been reaching out to us, we're like, great, how can we help you? Um, so it's, it's anybody who wants to participate. I know that there is a welcoming committee on the other side of that and willing and wanting to, to share information this, this whole sort of competitive nature, which is in the fitness industry is non-existent right now for the things that, that I've seen. And I wanted to go back a little bit to what Craig was saying, uh, on the comment around like gloves and masks and people mm -hmm. feeling safe. I, you know, SoulCycle announced their um, standards last night. I don't know if you guys saw that, right? And like, people are so mean sometimes and it's just like attacking and you're like, man, guys, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. This business is trying the best that they can. We're not the health experts, we're following guidelines. And I think it's really tough to put all of this on businesses. I can't believe you're opening, stay closed okay, but you want me to pay my people through all this? Right. And it's like, you know, where do you, money doesn't grow on trees. 
we're making smart decisions that we feel are in the best interest and safety of our people. If, if we felt that we were going to be unsafe and felt like this was irresponsible, we wouldn't be doing it. And you will see me as soon as we're able to open in Maryland, Virginia, and DC, you will see me coaching in there. I am not going to tell my people that you have to go to the quote unquote front lines and I'll stay at home until I feel safer. If I don't feel safe, nobody's going in those studios and that's not sort of where we are so for people who are listening for leaders and ceos out there like you got to become a little bit more lubricated when you become a, a voice and a leader in any industry people are going to say shit they're going to attack you they're going to try and whatever you got to ignore you know ignore the noise and for those who've never been a, a business owner or ceo or decision maker like sit back and think before you're throwing stones at somebody and you know the person is probably trying to act in their best interest for their community and again it's unprecedented times and have a little bit more like sympathy and empathy for for folks yeah i was curious the power uh, that you've seen in the solidarity uh, obviously there's a reason for instance lobbying is a job uh, when you can get a lot of force into one uh one path and, and a lot of people pushing in the same direction you can have a lot of power. So specifically, uh, the one you've, you've talked about the most, and, and I've seen a couple articles that you've been quoted in as well, talking about the rent situations, how much has coming together with other people in the business helped move the needle and, and push back against landlords to try to make some progress there? From, from our perspective, we're making great progress, right? And, and I, from other people, they're appreciating the advice that we're giving, that other people are giving, and they're taking the same approach, which is deferment of rent is not going to work. It's, it's, a, it's an impossible formula. The math doesn't work, right? We need abatement during this time for term on the back end is what we're offering. So if we're asking for two months of abatement now, add it to the back end. Um, and going forward, uh, we're asking for a percentage rent. And listen, I, I am not one to go right to leverage um, because I, I want to try to approach and have a conversation and try to explain our points and understand both sides. But the reality is any vacancies in commercial real estate right now are going to stay vacant for a very long time. And having a tenant and a strong tenant like us, and again, I'm not going to speak for other businesses. I don't know their financial situation, but we don't have any debt. I'm the majority owner in this company. I'm the decision maker. We have small group classes. We are already operating at 50% beneath the, the occupants, the max occupancy put on us by the city and the fire marshal just because of our operating model. We have a strong loyalty from our clients and consumers. And like you are, we are somebody that you want to help through this. Like we will get through this, but not without your help. So if, if you want to be myopic and try to lay the hammer on me and be the 800 pound gorilla, gorilla in the room and try to tell me that we'll have to pay rent before we open, we're not reopening. I'll reopen the other 68 studios we have and work with those, but you're not going to evict me. You're, you're just not. For, for what? To get a vacancy that you're going to have sit vacant for months and years and then legal fees, broker fees, having to offer different abatement, lower rents, TI dollars. Um, so we've moved away from the philosophical argument of what's right and, and what's ethical and what is um, equal and to the whole economic argument that landlords have that we are your better bet than evicting us and starting over. So we're not trying to take advantage of you. We're going to be transparent, but you're going to have to be flexible with us during this time. And we want to be here and we want to work with you, but we need to have some partnership. 
Uh, I love, you brought up some really good points, especially the, yeah. the point about commercial real estate with that being, that's going to be such a huge question mark going forward because a lot of places, not even just gyms, but all businesses are starting yeah. to realize that maybe they don't need that overhead. So commercial real estate is going to probably suffer a lot in all of this. And it's, it's certainly a benefit for a landlord to have a tenant, even if it's at a reduced rate, than to have the uncertainty of if they're going to get another tenant, whether or not that even happens. Right. Um, Craig, what, what else do you got? I have, I have one more question, but I want to I, I have one more too, but it's unrelated to the business side of it. Uh, so. All right, let's do it. I know we, we had like 10 minutes left on this Zoom call. Yeah, I know, before the Zoom kicks <laughs> us out. Um, my question is really simple. Why are your workouts so damn hard? <laughs> and uh, I, I'll, expand, I'll expand a little bit. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, there is, the goal is essentially to, to work till muscle failure. Mm -hmm. And um, it is painful. It is while you're doing it not enjoyable there is plenty of uh feeling of validation of i survived on the back end how have you made that work as a business plan because they're really freaking hard like almost unnecessarily hard well, well craig if you would come more often they would be less hard. <laughs> but then i would wow. die That's and hard. death death is not an option yeah you, you you will not die uh listen i take class four sometimes five times uh, a week and I, I started this company because of, I was a workout junkie, you know, like a lot of folks out there who are type A body issues. I was working out three hours a day, mainly doing cardio and just not really seeing my body change. I'll send you guys a photo after this and you can, I was like running all the time and it's like, mm. that's what my body looked like. So as soon as I discovered slow and controlled resistance training, my body transformed and I like, what? I don't have to work out all the time. Like, I can lift weights and get my muscles to failure. And then my metabolism was increasing, my muscle responding. It was just like this mind blowing situation. And I'm like, I have to start this business because I want to educate and provide this opportunity for mainly women, if I'm being honest, who probably felt similar to I did, which is, I'm, I, think, I, I think I'm doing all the right things. I'm you know, eating appropriately and working out all the time, but not seeing results. So yeah, the, it's the efficiency of the, of the workout and it is super challenging, um, and, but it's because those muscles don't get one work like that, right? Just like anything that you don't do often is going to feel hard. Um, and two, the, the, the slowness of the, the movement is also very different for a lot of people. But one of my favorite things about solid core is how safe it is. There are a lot of different workouts out there to each their own, um, but I was always injured. And for so long, I felt like being injured was a rite of passage that proved I worked out and was an athlete. And solid core has helped me like not be, not be injured and look strong and feel strong. So yeah, they are, they are hard for a reason, but you're not like beating up your, your joints, your ligaments. It's all the muscles doing all of the work. Um, and yes, it is very gratifying when, uh, when it's all over. When you survive. Um, what do you recommend in terms of people, like for some people taking solid core and having that be their only workout is, is possible. Um, you yeah. can get in great physique shape that way. You can be strong. Um, obviously if you have more athletic goals, um, you're going to need to do some explosive work. You're going to need to have a little bit more on the force uh, production side of things. How do you recommend to that kind of athlete, uh, to, to mix something like solid core into their workouts and yeah. into their workout plan? Totally. And, and exactly. It is what your goals are. My, my boyfriend is a runner and he's been r running for the last year and a half with this three hour marathon goal. So for him, solid core twice yeah. a week really helps him, you know, keep his muscles fresh, be stronger for running. 
um, as times are increasing. So like that works really well uh, for him. If again, if, if it's your sole workout, for a lot of people it, it is, like four days a week feels really great. But if you're doing other things, twice a week is totally fine from a resistance training standpoint. Um, anything kind of once a week, you don't really see kind of results. And to your point, Craig, you feel like you're just trying to survive every time and your body isn't getting all of the benefits. It's better than nothing. But I try to tell people, listen, if you're out one day, we try to get to two, you're going to feel a big difference in one, the results, two, how you perform in here, and three, it will carry over into the other uh, activities that you are doing, make you a stronger runner, your core is going to be better, your lower back's going to get stronger, all the um, endurance mu muscles that you have are going to better support you during fatigue when you're out for, you know, a 20 mile run. And isn't it refreshing to just go back to talk to talking about what we used to talk about before all this COVID stuff? The last two questions was just all about solid core. And I could just tell, like, you perked up a little bit. Your body language changed a little bit. The tone in your voice was just like, wow, I'm excited to talk about solid core again instead of having to talk about all this COVID stuff. Yeah, what do you want to know? No, I, I just think it's really interesting. And that was really going to be my question was, one, when can you come back? Because I think it's been it's been awesome to be able to talk to you. I've, I've heard so much about Solid Core from all of your people, and just watching that business grow over the years, uh, just just an admiration for what you've been able to do and what you've been able to create. And I think that there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast in particular that could learn a lot from somebody like you who's been through it, who's been done it, who, who's been doing it, and is doing it. Um, so we would love to have you back. And, and where can people find you? Where can people um, learn more from you? Yeah, uh, thanks for saying that and for the nice words. But just like everybody else, you know, I'm on Instagram and I'm also pretty accessible over email. Um, my email is anne, A-N-N-E, at solidcore.co. And listen, nobody gets to where they are without help from other people. And I am no different from that. So if I can help pay it forward and share lessons I have learned. I mean, listen, I've been sued twice. Uh, I had to close my first studio due to sound attenuation and sound traveling up. It's like, wait, what? We had to do soundproofing? Like, it was just this weird thing that, like, the landlord didn't think of it. We didn't think of it. Um, so we got evicted from our first location. Like, we've, we've been through a lot. And the resilience of this company and our community, I think, says volumes. But we, we have a ton of, you know, lessons to share. Uh, I think it would be great to sort of maybe gather questions from other people whether it's leaders or owners in the industry, things that they're struggling with. I think we've navigated a lot and we've learned a lot by making the wrong decision first and then pivoting and evolving and changing, which is a big part of what leadership is, admitting your mistakes and, and changing directions when you need to. Um, so yeah, anything that we can do, you know, to help out other folks who are either one, trying to grow, two, navigate this situation, whether it's having you know, issues with landlords or how do we pay our people when we go back to this because we're not going to have the same volume. What do we do about membership fees when this is over? Like there's a lot to figure out. Yeah. And again, the more we can share with one another, the better off we're all going to be because uh, getting different perspectives uh, always is a good idea. Yeah. Craig, when are we going to go take one of Anne's classes? <laughs> yeah, have you taken my I class? Have you taken I haven't taken one of your classes. Um, I... When I uh, give me, give me a, well, I, I probably have a couple weeks to mentally prepare, but, uh, we'll, we'll do it. Chris, when you come up here, when you come up to DC and when the DC area, whether it's in Virginia, Maryland or actual district is reopened and Ann is teaching again, we'll go take a class. You know what? And just as a thank you, I'll give you guys a private, just you two. Oh God. I don't know if that's a reward or if that's punishment. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like that. That sounds like a trap, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I like that. 
So like that, a little bit too witness. much personal attention. I'll be right there the whole time. I'll keep my distance socially. That'll be great. And <laughs> laugh at us when we fall over. Uh, this Zoom is about to kick us off, uh, unfortunately. But, Anne, this was really, really enlightening. I, I thank you uh, sincerely for your time. And uh, we will definitely be in touch, and we will let you kick our butts. In Sounds a, in great. A, Thanks for all the great questions, guys. I appreciate it.